0: Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our podcast studio, Aurora Bell. Aurora is the Acquisitions Editor for Literary Studies and Regional Books at the University of South Carolina Press. She is a Texan who has spent the past decade in New York, so maybe we'll have to talk about that a little. But she is thrilled to be back in the South, and we're happy to have her here in Columbia, South Carolina. And you can learn more about the university's press by visiting uscpress.com. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's great to have you here. So. Um what we're talking about and part of the reason why this came out um, came about for for having you visit is um University Press Week is coming up and that is the week of November I thought I had it written down it's November 4th through
1: So it's November 3rd through 9th. Okay. And it's organized by the Association of University Presses which is an organization of more than 150 presses. Really? And between all of them, they put out about 14,000 books per year.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So it's there's a lot of us out there.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. And I know that... Um, And and actually, this year's theme is Read, Think, Act. And it was chosen to have this written down, emphasize the role that scholarly publishers can play in moving national and international conversations forward on critical and complex issues. And I think that's really, I mean, that's really broad, you know?
1: It is, yeah. It allows the presses, I think, to highlight a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So... For example, we have a book coming out in December called First in the South, Mm -hmm. which is all about the South Carolina primary. Mm. So people talk a lot about Iowa and New Hampshire because those come first, Mm -hmm. but after that is South Carolina, and South Carolina is actually um, more predictive of who will win the primary on both sides than those earlier ones are. Mm -hmm. So with a book like that, We have two scholars, Gibbs Knotts and Jordan Ragusa, both from the College of Charleston. And they are able to interact with this issue in a way that's going to be appealing to other scholars um, and arguments that will be useful to them to further study of political science. But at the same time, it's useful for policymakers. It's useful for voters. Mm -hmm. And that's really sort of... A great example for us of one of the ways that you bridge the Academy and the lived experience mm-hmm. yeah, of people in your community.
0: Right, and that definitely fits in with that Read Think Act um, mission for the University Press Week. So going back to how you got involved with all this, tell us a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do at USC Press.
1: Sure, so I joined USC Press pretty recently. Um, I more or less always knew that I wanted to be a book editor, Mm -hmm. as strange as that may sound. Um, (laughs) So with that in mind, I went to college in New York and stayed there to start my career. But eventually, New York was not where I wanted to be full time. And around the same time, University of South Carolina Press was looking for an editor who had experience doing books for a general audience Mm. but could also take over their literary studies and rhetoric lists. And so it was a really kind of perfect fit as a time that I was looking to make that kind of change. Mm -hmm. Um, So here I am in Columbia, very excited to be here and to be acquiring really a range of things. Um, So starting with literary studies in our series Understanding Contemporary American Literature Uh, As well as in rhetoric and then um, in terms of regional books, looking at South Carolina and the American South in terms of people, politics, geographies. Food is a really um, personal interest of mine, so Mm -hmm. that's definitely... I think it's a area. personal interest of a lot of people. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's a good, good opportunity to get people acting in another way. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know.
0: Definitely. So, what's what's your background? What what made you get interested in wanting to? I mean, you obviously have to have some really critical reading skills. Like, you know, I'm a slow reader because I'm. I'm very much, you know, when I read anything, I'm I'm looking at every nuance. And so you probably have that issue too.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I think um, being an editor, you have to balance reading in probably more than two ways, but two major ways. One of which is to read quickly for content and style and to understand if a book is something that you wanna consider publishing. Mm -hmm. If you got too bogged down in the details during that process, you would never get through the pile of submissions that you have. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, you do have to go through things pretty quickly, but then when it comes to the developmental editing process, once you've decided to publish something and you're working with the author, then you really wanna go slow and drill down and look at it chapter by chapter, paragraph by paragraph, sentence by sentence.
0: If somebody was interested in this line of work, Mm -hmm. what would be your advice to them? What kind of educational background would they need to have?
1: The specific educational background, I think, in some ways is less important because you want to bring whatever your own interests are um, to the work. So especially in academic publishing, you have people who have a Ph.D. in biology, Mm. and then they say you know, being a professional scientist or a professor is not for me. Mm -hmm. I want to do something else with this knowledge um, and then they go and they become an editor and maybe they work on a science list. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can definitely come at it that way. Our Southern History editor has a PhD in history from University of South okay. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so he comes at it as a professional historian, mm-hmm. whereas my background is in comparative literature and French, mm-hmm. and so I came at it sort of rising through the ranks of learning to be an editor first. Sure. Um, so there's, there's really different mm-hmm. ways that you can go and different points of entry, but I think the most important thing is um, to seek out local resources to talk to people who are already doing that job Mm -hmm. and just learn learn more from them whether there are internship opportunities or not um we're always happy to have those conversations Mm -hmm. so whether it's anyone who's here in south carolina and they want to talk to me Mm -hmm. you can find my email address on the website and i'd be more than happy to have that conversation um and do so already with with students on this campus Mm -hmm. but um any you know in any state there's going to be a university press and there will be people who are happy to talk to you about their careers
0: very cool so um so getting back to university press week how is usc press uh, playing a role in that are you promoting it in any special way across the campus or in any other venues
1: sure so um two of the major initiatives going on during university press week are um, the University Press Week reading list, which each press has contributed a book suggestion to. And so that has been publicized um, in various platforms. And then, Another thing is this blog tour. So all of the university presses are having their staff and their authors write blog posts about different topics. So we'll be posting ours on our Facebook page throughout University Press Week with several of my colleagues and several of our authors.
0: Okay, and again, that is uscpress.com. So if anybody's interested in checking that out, definitely look that up. One of the questions that's popping into my head is, How is a university press different from any other kinds of press?
1: A university press at its core is mission-driven. We're about promoting conversations between scholars and the communities that we live in, whereas a traditional publisher, um, which is where my background actually is, is profit-driven in as Mm -hmm. much as there are profits Mm -hmm. in book publishing at all, (laughs) they're they're pretty slim. But um, that is sort of where the differences start and that leads to a bit of a difference in how we pursue things. So when you come to a university press as a reader, as an author, one of the things that you know is that you're getting really authoritative information, which Mm -hmm. I think is something that we've been talking about a lot more now that this idea of fake news and the questioning of fact has become a reality um, in the world we live in. Mm -hmm. So at a university press, one of the requirements actually of being part of the association of university presses is that your material goes through peer review. Mm. So that means whether it is a book for general audiences or a work of scholarship we are sending these books out that we're considering publishing to at least two experts in that field. Okay. Um, so, for example, with this First in the South book, we sent it to two additional experts in political science, and they read the whole book, and they answer a series of questions for us mm. about... Um, whether they think this work is original and what it's contributing, mm-hmm. if there are ways that it might be improved, and ultimately whether they recommend that we publish it. Mm-hmm. So at a tradition or a, a commercial um, publisher, those publishing decisions are made by the editor and by their boss. You know, an editorial director or someone, possibly other business people, sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. But it's a business decision. And here, while we are um, you know we have to make sure that the books will sell mm-hmm. and that you know we can pay to produce them Sure, the main thing is making sure that we are contributing to scholarship in whatever field mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is
0: and I think I tend to think you know uh, uh, a regular publishing house or a uh, press is you know interested in that bottom line and selling is they're always probably in hopes they've got a New York Times bestseller book or you know something that's going to bring in a lot of money whereas with a university press is there ever the kind of thought process of oh we hope this gets picked up as a textbook at other universities
1: yes so there I think on on the sort of you know financial side of what are those books that mm-hmm. can really help support us in our mission to publish other things. Mm-hmm. If you get a course adoption or a textbook, that is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a book on the Stono Rebellion mm. um, that was edited by Mark Smith, who's a professor here at University of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that book is a series of historical documents, l- and it um, sort of analyzes how uh, different historians have interpreted that event mm-hmm. across history and mm-hmm. how that has changed. Mm-hmm. And that book gets used a lot in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that's continued to sell year after year after year mm-hmm. because um, of that classroom use. Right. Um, but then on the trade side, part of what I'm trying to do is to bring in books for a general readership, and the expectations we have with those are that they, you know, will sell a significant number of copies. Mm-hmm. And what we think of as significant is not the same as a press who's looking for a New York Times bestseller, right. necessarily, but... Um, we do, you know, want books that are still serious but have a broad appeal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think First in the South is one of those that crosses over a bit. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a book you could teach in a political science classroom, mm-hmm. but it's also a book that an interested voter can pick up mm-hmm. and read um, just a regular person.
0: So one of the other things that I think is really interesting is how you go about determining like your production timeline from start to finish because you know you think of a book and especially one that is scholarly and having to go through all of these you know vetting processes and like you mentioned fake news but um, what's the start to finish production timeline look like?
1: It varies project to project because um, of the really varying scopes of the works, but typically it's around a year from when the author delivers their final manuscript to mm. when the book is on sale mm-hmm. or available in the library. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. <laughs> um, typically it's, it's around a year for our Understanding Contemporary American Literature series. Those books are a bit shorter. Um, They're aimed at an undergraduate audience, and so we try to keep them Mm -hmm. to about 140 to 180 pages. Mm -hmm. So something like that we might be able to do more quickly. Um, But in 2006, I believe, we published the South Carolina Encyclopedia, which some of your listeners may be Mm -hmm. familiar with. And that book is over 1,000 pages long. Mm -hmm. It's got several hundred images. So I'm not sure how long it actually took to do but I was talking to our production manager recently and she said that um it was about like doing 10 books basically (laughs) so it's 10 books concurrently but um, that was probably, I would assume it was a th- two or three year process, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because there just is so much.
0: Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, I can't imagine that. And I also think about, um, you know, I've seen some really beautiful, and I would kind of consider them coffee table books that the university, that USC mm-hmm. Press has published in the past. And, you know, when you think of scholarly books, you think of these nonfiction tomes that are just rich in information. But, you know, you have professors who are teaching photography and, you know, doing different things with, with art. And so there are opportunities to have kind of a coffee table book that is scholarly.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that we, we love to do is these really beautiful, either photo or art driven books, um, that are still serious in their way, but, they appeal to a very large audience. So one of the books um, that we have out now um, that just came out by Mary White, Mm -hmm. it's called We the People. And Mary White is a watercolor portraitist who's based in Charleston. Mm -hmm. And there are these beautiful portraits of veterans, um, and they're all working in their civilian jobs Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. all of the states across the United States. Mm -hmm. And you know, she tells some of their stories and, She's an amazing artist, and so it's not exactly what you think of Mm -hmm, as a scholarly book, but we've been working with Mary for a long, long time, and it's one of the things that we classify as these regional books, Mm -hmm. which... As um, a press that is part of the state of South Carolina, we're able to do these other things that we classify in this regional way, mm-hmm. which a commercial press might not be able to. Mary's mm-hmm. a bit of an exception. You know, right. she could.
0: Yeah, yeah. She. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, she's been here at the State Library to do a book talk and to, you know, demonstrate and show her, her art, and, yeah. and it really is amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she is certainly a a world class artist Mm -hmm. Um, we have a new book called uh, Carolina Bays by Robert Clark who's the photographer who did Reflections of South Carolina Mm -hmm. um, which people may know and so Robert is a great photographer he's been working in South Carolina for years and years and years Um, but uh, uh, South Carolina Bays is an interesting book because it's these photographs of our landscape and it um, interacts with how the landscape is changing with uh, sea level rise. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's really tapped into these vital, vital conversations that we're having Mm -hmm. while still being a beautiful book that you could display on your coffee table.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, he has also been here at the State Library before, (laughs) so yeah, that's very cool. So since this is Library Voices SC, we always like to talk about libraries in some manner. So do you have any like personal or professional library stories you'd like to share?
1: Sure, I don't know if they're um, very exciting stories, but
0: <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. We're you know anytime we talk about libraries, we get excited so okay. <laughs> Good.
1: Um, I mean they're important to me. so one of my sort of earliest library memories is when I was growing up, we lived um, outside of Austin, Texas, pretty mm-hmm. far out in the country, and so we did a lot of driving whenever, mm-hmm. You know, we had to come, go to town, Mm -hmm. to uh, go to Home Depot Mm -hmm. or what have you. Um, So getting to take a break and go to the library, it seems like those summers were always so hot also. And so to sort of cool off in the library, (laughs) browse the books and then check out books on tape
0: Mm. that we
1: could listen to on those car rides.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And so that was, something that I was so so grateful for <laughs> as a kid and I'm sure that my mother was too because otherwise I would have been talking the whole time or <laughs> complaining about it. <laughs> um, so that is sort of one of my earlier library memories but then more recently um, in my last couple of years in New York I was volunteering with this organization called Read Ahead that works with um, kids in schools in elementary school and pairs elementary school students with reading mentors Um, And the school that I was mentoring at had us do this program in the school library. Mm. And it was so cool to go every week and sit with this third grader who I worked with in her school library. And when we would finish a book to say, you know, what do you want to read next? And to see the sort of ownership that she was able to take of this library space Mm -hmm. and how she really knew where to go look for the books that she wanted and she was learning to find them and, you know, say whether it was we're looking for a picture book that she used to love and she knows the spine is yellow so let's see if we can find it or she knows who the author is and so then... We're working on going down the row of books mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. figuring out using our alphabet mm-hmm, where that author is. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really, really special to see those kids that in that environment.
0: Neat. Yeah, that is cool. So, what kind of big projects uh, does USC Press have coming up?
1: Sure. I think I might have used all of my big project talking points already. <laughs> um, Mary White's mm-hmm. We the People is out now, which is fabulous. Um, Meet Me at the Rocket is by Roger Stroop, and it is a celebration of 150 years of the State Fair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that is a very cool, it's another sort of coffee table book mm-hmm. style book, but with real history about the State Fair and just so many fun things that uh, I think will really spark memories for people who know the state fair well and hopefully have some surprises for everyone.
0: Well I mean the title says it all because you know if you ever got lost as a kid at the state fair and this is before cell phones um, you know they'd go make an announcement and say so and so meet your mom at the (laughs) (laughs) rocket.
1: Yes yeah so we have those um, we have Carolina Bays coming up which is gonna be great, and then um, first in the South as well. Uh, Looking out a little bit farther, we're really excited to be starting some new series. Um, Our Southern History Editor has some exciting things going on um, with Reconstruction and also with African-American studies. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna be bringing in some more scholarly books in those areas um, that I think are going to be really wonderful contributions to those fields. Um, And then on my side, I'm sort of gearing up to bring in more food books. Um, So hopefully over the next couple of years, Mm -hmm. that'll be something to look forward to. um, And some exciting biographies about some South Carolina personalities as well.
0: Cool. Um, Just in general, if someone is interested in trying to get something published through USC Press, what's the normal route they would take?
1: So they can check out our website, there's a submissions page which gives an overview of some of the material we like to see um, with a proposal, but that that it, it's explained there, but basically the person would decide whether they think it's a book that our history editor should review or mm-hmm. whether it's a book I should review, so mm-hmm. books dealing with literature, rhetoric, and um, regional interest, um, and they send their proposal to one of us, and then we're happy to read it. and. From there, if it's something we're interested in pursuing, we may give some editorial feedback right off the bat or um, decide to take it to peer reviewers, and then we have those reviewers review the manuscript or the proposal, depending on what stage the project is at, Mm -hmm. and with their feedback, we decide whether the book is something we can make happen.
0: And who has the final say?
1: It is definitely a collaborative um, conversation. If we get two peer reviews that say, you cannot publish this, which doesn't <laughs> happen very often, but, yeah, but occasionally, you know, uh-huh. they, we go to these experts because they know things that we sure. don't. Um, so if that happens, then it's not gonna work. But typically, if you get good reviews or reviews that say, this is great, but maybe you should consider making these revisions, Then we'll look at a financial projection to make sure that the book, you know, that we can sell enough copies to Mm -hmm. fund the project. Um, And from there, we uh, take that conversation then to our press committee, which is made up of members of the university committee or community. And um, they give us the final sort of go ahead on whether whether or not something can move forward. It's
0: a very democratic process.
1: It, it is in its it way. It can yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Um, there's a, definitely a lot of voices involved. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the great things about that is that it means that by the time we sign up a book, there are a lot of advocates for that book. Gotcha. So you have, you know, the first editor you wrote to is on board. You have the sales and marketing folks on board. You have our editorial director on board. Then we go, you know, you have your peer reviewers on board, honestly. Mm-hmm. They can be great advocates for the book if it's something they're excited about. Mm -hmm. And then you get the press committee, um, and they're some of our best advocates as well.
0: Mm -hmm. It's just a fascinating process, and I think a lot of people just really don't realize all that goes into it. So, you know, having University Press Week to draw attention to what university presses do, I think, is great. And um, also folks out there who are Wanting to learn more about what the University of South Carolina Press does, certainly feel free to go to uscpress.com, and you can also get in touch with Aurora Bell if you have any other specific questions. So thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Thanks for the opportunity.
0: And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library, so until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.